Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week, as always, are Eric Devin and Philip Bargiel. Liga is back and with another bang as teams begin to jostle for position and show off their newest recruits now the window is shut. But before we talk about all that and some interesting games of the weekend, here are the latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain continued their early season struggles in a one-all draw with Saint-Étienne at the Parc des Princes. Robert Berich's injury time equaliser cancelling out a Lucas penalty. Of bigger concern, however, might be the injury to Levin Kuzawa. The left-back was forced to come off injured against Levin and remains a doubt for tomorrow's Champions League game in tomorrow evening with Arsenal. Saturday's early match also saw one of Liga's Champions League representatives stumble with a Maxime Gonalon red card giving Bordeaux the opportunity for it to be the first visiting team to win at the Parc OEL. Jocelyn Govenik's charges took full advantage of that, notching a 3-1 win that also saw Alexandra Lacazette ruled out for several weeks with a hamstring issue, a painful blow ahead of Wednesday's visit to Dinamo Zagreb. One side who did look impressive ahead of European competition were Monaco, the Principality Club hammering hosts Lille 4-1 behind goals from Dribio Cisse, Adama Traore, Fabinho and Camille Gleek. The win sees Monaco top the table on 10 points ahead of Wednesday's trip to Wembley Stadium to take on Tottenham Hotspur. Elsewhere in the multiplex, Carl Toko Nkambi's superb solo goal um, provided a fine finish as hosts Angers defeated Dijon in a match that saw both sides finish with 10 men. In Bastia, on loan Swedish international Pierre Bengston marked his debut for the Corsicans with a free kick 10 minutes from time, the host prevailing over Toulouse 2-1. Last week's leaders, Gangomp, remain unbeaten, but were only able to record a point at home to Montpellier in a one-all draw. While Lorient's situa situation at the foot of the table is beginning to look dire already, their 2-0 loss at home to Nancy sees them without a point and three adrift of their opponents in 19th. Sunday's early match also saw a promoted team win on the road as Mets recorded their third victory in four matches, Mevla Erding's hat-trick leading the visitors in a 3-0 win at Nantes. Wren hosted in Con in the early evening match and the hosts recorded a 2-0 win. Paul Georges and Tep marking his return to action with a brilliant run and assist for Sajin Perchich's goal in stoppage time. Sunday's final match pitted Marseille against hosts Nice in one of the division's most bitter rivalries, and the Alliance Arena, sorry, the Alliance Riviera, apologies, was duly rewarded with an exciting contest, with debutant Mario Balotelli notching a brace, Florent Tovan scoring a fine solo goal, and William Cyprian providing the winner late on as the hosts remain unbeaten and they are level on points with leaders Monaco. In Ligue 2, surprise package Amiens uh, topped the table after a 3-1 win over Tour, while Reims remain in second. In other injury news, Saint-Étienne's Sheikh Mbengue could miss up to six weeks with a knee injury, while the injury sustained by Monaco's Daniel Subasic on international duty isn't thought to be serious, and he could still feature on their Champions League fixture on Wednesday. And that's the news, but remember, for all your latest, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. 
We start this week with Sunday evening's match, and it was an exciting encounter between the rivals Nice and Marseille. The hosts came out on top thanks to a double from their new signing, Mario Balotelli. Philip, how was the Italian's debut for Nice? Well, he couldn't do much uh, much wrong, uh, could he? A brace against uh, against Marseille, so it will endear him to the, um, the, nice, the nice fans. Uh, it started with uh, a penalty. It was quite, um, quite good to see that uh, he still has... Uh, uh, this uh, ruthlessness about him as uh, Gomez uh, tried to uh, um, sort of make him uh, lose uh, concentration before taking a spot kick, but uh, he didn't lose concentration. He um, he put it away past uh, past Pelé. It was it was a great it was a great first half hour. It was uh, really end to end stuff. Marseille was were going for it. Um, Tovin equalised not uh, not um, not long afterwards. I thought actually. I need I need to praise actually Marseille more than Nice because I I was actually um, impressed by two of their players who's very unfancy player. It was not Gumis, it was not uh, Tova. It was uh, first of all Zambo uh, and Guisa who uh, played uh, quite well uh, in midfield. Um, just uh, just by the by, the penalty was conceded by a new signing um, uh, William Vaker who you know it, it's a, it's a bad mistake to 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 get in and. Um, he had an okay game, not uh, not great, but he was okay. So Zamba, Zamba and Guisa was the first uh, Marseille to have a great, a great game in midfield, and the other one was uh, was Laya who uh, who put the ball for for Tuva. And I don't know, I just find Marseille's defense to have uh, very much improved. And Balotelli was um, uh, was was good at uh, taking taking people on uh, play out as well. He really tied the Marseille defense, but Nice didn't really test Puli that much in in that game and it's only when Marseille actually took the lead um, a penalty uh, gained by um, scored sorry by by Gomez and Marseille just conceded that thing goal by Balotelli it was a cross from the right a very simple goal uh, Marseille would be disappointed to, con- to concede a goal this this easily and then that strike from uh, William Cipriani at the end it's one of many many niche shots that was straight up pulley but uh, unfortunately for him he did not have a strong enough hand to uh, put it uh, around the post, so it, it did go in. I actually think this is not a deserved win for Nice. Uh, I reckon both sides played such a great game of football that it should have been uh, a score, a score draw. Two-two would have been a good reflection. Um, and had uh, Marseille trained more with the same defence, with the same back four, um, which probably won't be the case as uh, Bedima will be uh, back from injury uh, some sometimes this season. I'm not sure when. Um, I think they could have uh, they could have gained the point, which is which is great news for them, which is great news for former court for the for the takeover. But you know, great uh, great to see that Nice really wanted that um, that uh, those three points in the derby, and that they got it. Cool to see of a Balotelli brace. Eric, I want to mention Phillips briefly touched on that Nice really came back into the game after Marseille had put themselves in front, and, and it was a little bit of a switch from Lucien Favre. What did you think to his initial formation with those three at the back and the and the wing backs, and the way he changed it once Marseille were back in front? Yeah, I think that it, it was a bold move from from Favre to bring on uh, Belanda and uh, oh, I'm sorry, my brain's going blank. The other sub. Was it Cyprian? No, no Cyprian started. started. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute. Sorry, Acerik. Acerik in, in place Acerik. of player. Yeah. So, uh, starting with that 4-4-2, it, it, it seemed as if Balotelli was taking a central role where player tried to try to go to the wings and stretch play to allow the fullbacks to bomb on, and they did. Uh, Dalbert didn't have 
the the strongest the strongest match, but uh, I think Pereira was really impressive, and and I think he got the tactics right uh, from the off. I think that uh, the two central midfielders uh, I had had a bit of worry about Coziello and Seri uh, did really well, but I think Cyprian honestly really ran the show for me. Not only did he score the goal, but he had great energy from the t- center of the pitch. Uh, did really well to protect that defense. Even allowed uh, Bison. Uh, Sar to get forward a little bit, which you know you're not expecting from the two of them necessarily as as center backs. So I think he got it right from the, from the offset. Um, you know, he's perhaps would have been a little bit uh, unhappy about the way that that uh, for example Tovan was was closed down on his goal. Uh, but yeah, it, he made pro that proactive double change and to bring on Belanda and to bring on Iceric and it, uh, it it proved to be the difference. I think that. You know, going forward, I think he still needs to hammer out what exactly these tactics are going to be. Uh, but leaving Balotelli to to occupy the cent- the occupy the penalty box, and uh, to have a, a playmaker floating around behind him, and to have the fullbacks bomb on, I, I think it's going to be effective. You know, whether that ends up being a three-man midfield with uh, you know Remy Walter or Cyprian in the middle, along with Koziello and Seri, uh, or whether it's a a, a, a four-man defense with two central midfielders, I think remains to be seen. But uh, given the fact that Nice don't really have uh, out-and-out uh, wide players in terms of midfielders, I think that playing playing uh, Pereira and uh, Enrique at, at wingbacks makes a little bit more sense for the time being. They also have Suke, who can play as a wingback as well, and I think uh, I think that gets the best out of them. They do have Arnold Lasamba, who they brought in over the summer, but... He's still a bit a bit raw, and I think that the three-five-two makes sense for the time being, uh, and it also allows a little bit of flexibility uh, in terms of adapting in in the match, which we uh, saw firsthand. The two changes uh, uh, resulted in two goals once the substitutes had arrived. Yeah, I'm right in thinking that Ricardo Pereira can play anywhere on the wing, left, right, defense, midfield. Yeah, sure, yeah, he's a Guerrero yeah. type yeah, type player, that's, obviously that's, in the opposite that's flank. Good. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good weapon to have. Uh, yeah. and, and talking about that. <laughs> in both formations. Yes, and, and and there was another debutant for Nice in this game that was a surprise on transfer deadline day, and that's, uh, that's Dante, for, formerly of Wolfsburg mm. and Bayern Munich. Uh, how did you think he fared, Philip? Uh, more, uh, yeah, so I thought he was, uh, he was okay. He was uh, probably not uh, 100% at fault on Tovar's, uh, on Tovar's goal. Um, I think for first in Liga, he was not... Um, it was not, uh, yeah, not so, not so bad. Um, Marseille didn't attack uh, all that much after the first half hour, so it's a bit difficult to uh, to judge him on this uh, on on this game. But uh, I thought he was, uh, yeah, I thought he was, he was quite good against uh, quite a, quite a side who has quite a good um, attacking attacking flair, attacking flair players. And I'm not sure that most uh, Ligue 1 games will be as um, heated as this one. This is a particularly heated derby, probably the most heated one in uh, in France. Um, so I I reckon he'll be yeah I reckon he'll do uh, he'll do fine because uh, most weekend games won't be like this. I don't expect him to have a, a, a such a good striker like uh, like Buffy Gomez to contend with. And uh, yeah, I think he marshaled um, he marshaled the, the young guy uh, Sa, who's a, who's not a professional player yet. Um, and um, and Paul Bates, who's a, who's a very experienced centre back. So uh, no, a good a good debut for Dante. No, and it's it's a really interesting signing for a club of like Nice to make. But let's talk about Marseille 
and we've mentioned them briefly, mm. um, Eric, and they were they were a very big part of this game as well. And and Florian Tovan yet again was really their big player again, and leading the line and 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 being that leader again. Um, how important is he that to them this season? We've seen what he can do. That that half season he had at Bastia was really impressive a few years ago. Uh, he just has to have the right motivation, and he seemed to have lacked that. Uh, in, in years past, obviously, this team had a lot a lot of other players like Savandri Ayu, Andre Pierre-Gignac, and others that could take on that scoring mantle. But now, uh, with Michi Batshuayi having departed in the summer, there's still uh, there's sort of a void there. I mean, we have Bate Gomez with his international experience and experience in the Champions League. Um, but... You know, he's a little bit slower. He's a little bit older at this point in his career. He's always been slow. Uh, but I think that, that if Tolvan's given that free role and he has a space to cut into, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, the issue, of course, here is is, what's, is how to work out uh, both Cabela and Tovan on, on the same pitch. Um, I, we talked about Cabela having had a wonderful time at Montpellier uh, and Tovan having been good at Bastia, but both of those players at the best points in their career were really given sort of a free role uh, to attack. Now, the question is, can they coexist? And if they can't, uh, how, do, how do Marseille sort of deal with that? Who gets the priority here? Tovan's a bit younger than Cabela, uh, but I think Cabela offers a bit more uh, in terms of tracking back and defensive work, but he preferred to operate in a central role, whether it's to- whereas Tovan can operate on the wing. And this 4-4-2, or, well, 4-4-1-1, sort of, I suppose, with uh, Leia Seca off of Gomis, uh, seems to make sense tactically. I think that uh, having Bunasar on the opposite flank also, also works well. He had a, a couple good crosses and, and did fairly well uh, in, terms of, in terms of his work rate and, and defensive, defensively tracking back. So I, I think that this formation works, but I would question whether uh, it can bring the best out of Cabela. Cabela could potentially play off of Gomis, uh, but uh, if Tovan's in this sort of form that he showed last night, and he he's played decently, honestly throughout the throughout the season t- thus far, I, I think he would have to be given the edge here, and that uh, Frank Posse should persist with this four four two as it seems to get the best out of an informed player. Yeah, and that, you're right. There, Tovan was superb at points, and he has been f- so far this season. But where you fit Romy Cabella into that equation, we shall see. But both these teams just don't put it on set pieces. Yeah, <laughs> no, not from that. For that first one last night was a uh, was not a good one. Let's show we no. say that. That's probably being polite. But uh, more of the same. Both teams, I would say, for for the next couple of games, because that was that was a good game last night. But uh, we move on. Yeah. To the champions who who dropped points again on Friday evening after a late Robert Berich goal cancelled out a Lucas penalty. Uh, Eric, what went wrong for the champions in this one? Uh, I think Sorry. we saw the the magical <laughs> in disappearing Hatem Ben Arfa. Uh, there were other players to blame. Hesse Hesse's first touch was poor. He didn't work to to put himself about in space, uh, which was absolutely essential with that three man defense for Saint Etienne. Um, but yeah, there wasn't of, of the attacking players besides Lucas. Nobody seemed to be working to create space to get in behind without the pace and directness of Aurier and again Kurzawa for half the match. Um, the width and attacking impetus that PSG enjoyed from their fullbacks is also missing. Uh, and by the time Di Maria and Cavani came on, uh, you know they're obviously showing their rush. They're tired from their international qualification matches over the past week. 
Um, PSG just weren't their sharpest. Uh, Saint-Etienne were their usual resolute cells. I thought Rupier had a fantastic match. Perrin, Pogba were both very solid as well. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was just really a matter of, of Saint-Etienne playing well. And uh, I think the players from PSG, st- the new new players from PSG, that is Hesse and, and Ben Arfa, are really struggling uh, in these roles. Uh, I was a little bit surprised also that uh, Matuidi wasn't withdrawn for Rabio. I think Rabio can offer a little bit more going forward from midfield uh, in terms of moving with the ball at his feet. And I think that could have opened up some more opportunities uh, for the team going forward. But perhaps he's being rested for tomorrow's match against Arsenal. Uh, but yeah, just a lot of poor individual performances, uh, a lack of coherence, I think. Uh, ben Arfa tried to take up uh, central positions, but it seemed like he was getting in Verratti's way a little bit at, at times. Uh, he tried to go on the wing, but then you know, then there was not as much space for Munier to make overlapping runs. There just, there just didn't seem to be coherence uh, for the team as, as well as poor individual performances. So I think, you know, if PSG can res- respond with a, a strong result tomorrow and going forward, we can write this off as just, you know, it's a bad, it's a bad coming together of injuries and, and, and fatigue on the parts of Di Maria and, and Cavani. Uh, once Pastore is fit, I think the team will, can can rebound well but you know let's face it i mean you're, you're three points off the pace after four matches it's frustrating it's perhaps not what some i would say unrealistic fans are expecting but it's by no means a catastrophe even if psg were to say lose uh to arsenal tomorrow which would be less than ideal they're still very well positioned to advance in their champions league group they're still very well positioned to to do well in the league especially once nice and monaco uh, start their own European exertions as well. So, you know, we've seen that Hesse, again, maybe is lacking of the sharpness, the fitness that we'd want uh, from a center forward in that system. Uh, but let the team come back to its full its full self in terms of injuries, and then I think then we can pass judgment. I think it was just a, a lack of squad depth. It does underline, again, the, their lack of having bought a striker in the summer. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I, I'm, it's, I don't think it's something that we should be overly worried about, personally. Yeah. Any ideas why uh, Hesse started at the false nine or centre forward? Um, anyway, because, I mean, you watch more La Liga than me. I mean, isn't that guy supposed to be a winger or something? Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely... He, I mean, he's, I, I, he's not the same type of player as, as Ronaldo, obviously, but he's, he's a wide player mm. that likes to cut inside. Yeah. Uh, he does have an eye for goals. I remember, uh, let's see, I guess it must have been the 2013-14 season. Uh, he did yeah. get a, quite a bit of match time uh, for Real Madrid, and I was able to see him both in Champions League and La Liga, and he looked really bright. He had a good knack for, knack for goal, a good energy, good directness, uh, but he was never played as a center forward. Uh, mm. I mean, not, ne- not Perhaps literally not never, but uh, he, he seemed to be most effective cutting in from the wing. I Personally, if I were to opt, I would have opted for that 4-3-3. I would have had Ben Arfa play the central role uh, with Hesse and Lucas wide because that seems to get the best out of both of them. Lucas, I think, is fairly adept at both wings. Uh, ben Arfa has played as a false nine in the past. He, he played that uh, in the Trophée des Champions. I think mm. he scored, scored a goal and, had, and certainly had his moments. Mm. So I think that Emery did what he could with the personnel under the circumstances, given the South Americans returning, but perhaps didn't set them up in the right way. 
Yeah, what I'm fearing is uh, some kind of backlash if um, if PSG don't uh, actually put out, put out a good performance against Arsenal on, um, tomorrow, which I don't think will happen because uh, most of uh, the performances the performances against uh, well against Messi was not great. It was pretty much the same as against Saint Etienne, but um, in the end PSG managed to score four goals. So of course, when you when you look at the scoreboard, you said four 0 Okay, that's fine, but uh, it uh, hit some kind of um, weaknesses in there, which uh, which were overlooked, of course, because of the scoreline. At Monaco, PSG were completely outplayed out, um, and uh, Yardim out uh, completely outtacted, outwitted um, Unai uh, to, uh, to 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 win the game. And uh, Galtier's tactic yesterday was quite simple. I mean, he he put a three-five-two. It was it was parking the bus. And uh, to be honest, Pierre didn't really, I felt, deserve to score um, from that penalty. I didn't think it was a penalty, and uh, and actually, I thought it was a it was a it was a fair game between uh, two sides with uh, um, a decent uh, decent plan. And I wasn't, you know, it wasn't that much of a surprise to see Saint-Étienne equalise. So defending was uh, was not uh, was not particularly good on that um, on that. Um, Action, but uh, the point the point the point I want to make is that um, Arsenal I can't see Arsenal you know sitting deep playing a three five two or four five one uh, very defensive minded uh, tomorrow evening. So this is why I think it will be quite open. I just hope that um, Unai did put Cavani on the bench in order to put him in the starting eleven tomorrow. We saw that. Arsenal did not have uh, the best of games against uh, Southampton. They needed they needed uh, the full 90 minutes to, uh, to to win the game on uh, on a penalty. So I don't know. I'm just not uh, not that concerned uh, about um, about the current form. I I I tweet this a bit like uh, when Juventus started poorly. It's uh, not not you know not to give to give a head start to everybody else, but uh, just to say okay, we're trying things out. We have a new manager. It's not. Uh, there's a lot of pressure in there, and uh, all the teams are playing the same the same uh, tactic against uh, against PSG, which is uh, putting uh, putting players behind the ball, and sometimes it does win. And you know, we we did we did um, uh, forecast this. We did say without Ibrahimovic, it was going to be harder, and it is. It just just um, it just is. I mean, it's uh, it's quite it's quite logical, really. Um, we it just. Hesse needs to find his feet, and Unai needs to find his new formation, and that's um, that's probably going to take a while. Yeah, I think I think Hesse needs to find his head more than anything, because <laughs> yeah, I seem to recall uh, the, the runs he was making. The runs he was making were just not good. It it was just uh, he he was not watching his teammates while he was running in front of uh, in front of them. I mean, it, it didn't happen all game long, but uh, most of his. Uh, um, Actions when he wanted the ball to be fed to him, uh, he wasn't really watching uh, where the play was going, so that was a bit frustrating. But either way, I mean, if if you're not accustomed to play a centre forward, uh, and you get thrown at the deep end at centre forward in league out defensively again in a three-five-two with experienced guys like uh, Luis Perrin um, breathing down your neck, uh, not easy. I'm, I'm not defending him or anything, but it's just, you know, <laughs> put anyone in there. I mean, uh, Zlatan did struggle uh, once or twice uh, uh, in, in the game to score a goal as well. So, you know. 
who put you put you put a small uh, a small guy who's who has no uh, no real uh, experience of playing in that position. You can fully understand why um, fully understand why um, he struggled. I'm glad you saw him make a run. I don't think I saw one all afternoon. Well, I, I saw some highlights. It, he was he was extremely poor. As maybe even be putting it kindly, I I I agree that he's not really a centre forward. He's much more of a winger. But put something. I don't feel I don't feel that's why he was bought. I I, I feel mm-hmm. like he was. Uh, it was to uh, first of all to 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 add the numbers and uh, and to, to to put more more wits in the side. Not to not to be a Cavani's understudy. That's really not what I what I thought yeah, he would be. Mm. It's just, that's just it. That's a lack of options for you, isn't it? But uh, Eric, well, let, yeah. let's talk about Saint Etienne and their, their successes. And I wanted to talk about Kevin Malqui, who had a an interesting game. Is probably the best way to put it. He he almost gives away a penalty. He then does give away a penalty, and then he sets up the winner. He had a a mixed bag of the game, didn't he? Yeah, I, I think I've I've pushed Ramalqui to be included uh, in the recent past. I think in the three five two, he does make the most sense on that right wing. Uh, he certainly offers a lot more going forward than does Kevin Tielfield Catherine, who's now been moved to uh, center back in this new formation. But yeah, he's he's the sort of wonderfully electric player who uh, will do something brilliant and then turn around and you know give away a penalty, give away give away a booking. Uh, is so he's wonderful to watch in league out, but is is he the type of player who who's going who's going to uh, be relied upon for Saint-Étienne in, in the Europa League against you know more impressive teams? I mean, again, they've they've got Mainz on Thursday, who are you know not one of the exactly one of the big the big big rivals in their group. But should they progress to the knockout stages, is he the, the kind of quality that they're going to need to advance mm. or to to break into the Champions League places in league out? I just don't know. I think that this this team is sort of needs must at, at this point in time because because of the absence of Shaken Bengay, and uh, mm. they've they've just got to sort this out. Um, so, you know, he's a fun player to watch, but as as the we saw with the penalty, and and again, as Philip Brightly said, maybe that was a soft penalty, but the incident in the first half, I believe, on thirty eight or forty minutes, uh, was probably more of a penalty. So. It, would not have been surprising to see him concede two penalties in this match. Yeah, the, the one on my Tweedy, I can't believe the referee's not seen it. He's absolutely thwacked him in midair, but uh, never mind. Referees sometimes don't have. Uh, do do we know? Uh, I'm changing the subject here a bit, but do we know how much uh, how much Levin Kozawa is uh, is out for? He's a doubt for tomorrow, so not long. I think he's, he's definitely not in for tomorrow. I don't think he's even in the squad. Uh, I haven't seen the squads, but Emery did say. I've, I've seen some things on on Twitter saying that uh, Benaf and 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 Kuzawa are not going to play tomorrow. Lakeep reported that Emery had said that his injury is not severe, and that he's uh, a match time decision for tomorrow. And he did struggle for the, almost that entire game, didn't he? He was very quiet, especially even when he was on the field in that first half, which was such a shame. After we mentioned on the preview show that he should keep playing, but <laughs> that's the worry about. Um, that's the final point I really want to make on on PSG, Philip. They've yeah. obviously, if Kazar was injured for this one, they've had Aurier out as well. Um, Thiago Silva's still not quite fully fit and won't be match fit at least for this one. Is there is there a worry for the for their defence going forward? 
No, I wouldn't say so. Uh, now that David Luiz has been sold, no, I don't. Uh, I don't think it's. Uh, no, I think we're fine. Cruzeiro um, is a major work. Cruzeiro is just a shame, really. I mean, I've got uh, every confidence in uh, in Maxwell fulfilling for that role. We've got two uh, very high quality uh, left backs. Um, so um, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not too. Uh, I'm not too uh, worried about that. It's more. It's more the uh, the, the going forward part and uh, how to uh, how to use Hesse. But again, when I will will um, will um, assume in training for a couple of months and, and, and decide accordingly. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, things will uh, things will pick up. But uh, this is bound to happen. Uh, that, a game against Saint Etienne, very organised side, um, and not uh, not too bad going forward. This is bound to to, to happen once or twice um, at home at least. This is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it really shouldn't uh, shouldn't surprise any of us uh, that uh, PSG will find it hard to beat uh, sides who who part the bus basically. Yeah, and let's hope that I think Unai Emery will have his fingers crossed that he can have four fit defenders get through that game against Arsenal uh, mm. tomorrow evening. But we move on to probably PSG's closest challenges or what we expected to be at the start of the season. Leon, who lost for the second week in a row as Bordeaux ran out 3-1 winners. Uh, Philip, it all went downhill. It wasn't great to start off with, but it went very much downhill after Maxime Gonalon was sent off. Yeah, it's just so frustrating because French clubs just tend to do that. They, f- they tend to, to finish second and then just before uh, the Champions League comes around, they just com- offer uh, a complete nothing nothing performance and get beaten by a side that is much weaker than them on paper. Um, what What is... What is quite commendable from Genesio is that uh, he gives uh, he gives you six chance. We haven't really seen Mamana yet. I don't think he gave um, he gave a start um, first career start for um, young uh, Jacobi at centre back, um, who played uh, next to uh, Young Gambira. So I'm not uh, not quite sure he's uh, he's the best guy you want to start your your career next to. But uh, you know he wasn't. Uh, it started off uh, quite well with uh, Kalulu scoring the opening goal. There was a bit of um, of um, controversy around this goal because uh, Kalulu was offside, but the ball was finally given by Contento. So in the end, the referee made a good decision, and uh, it all just went uh, just went downhill. They uh, they thought uh, they had it all soon up. They stopped uh, basically stopped working. Uh, Baldo uh, got more of the ball, and uh, I'm 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 not really going to be too critical of Jacobi. It's his first it's his first game for for Lyon. Um, what I really should say is uh, about um, is is about uh, the midfield trio. Uh, Gunnar was uh, not protecting his uh, his defence enough, which is really uh, his uh, his main his main job. And uh, you you can see compared to the season where Lyon ran PSG quite close, that uh, this midfield trio of Ferry, Gunnar and Tolisso played um, worked extremely well together. And Dade is almost a passenger compared compared to the other two. I mean, he goes he goes fast and all that, but he just doesn't seem to click the same way as Tolisso uh, does. And uh, so, yeah, first first you have this um, this uh, equalising goal, which is uh, highly uh, highly avoidable. I I I also think Lopez should have saved that. I mean, it doesn't look unstoppable. It's look it looks. Um, Quite central as well, so it's a bit strange for for a goalkeeper like Lopez to to concede a goal like that. And then the unexplainable happens with Gonzalo trying to break Malcolm's leg, uh, and it's uh, a bit of a miracle they didn't because he really uh, he really put his, stunder, his studs in there. 
Um, referee blows uh, gives him a, um, uh, a caution, and then he sees. Um, and then he has a sink, and then gives him uh, gives him a red card. Two seconds later, Ferry just kicks uh, another Bordeaux player, and you have you have no idea what's going on really. Sertic uh, um, uh, scores scores a second goal for Bordeaux, and then. Another quite dramatic event happens with Lacazette uh, going off injured, and he's probably not going to play against Zagreb on uh, Wednesday. Now, I um, have been quite, uh, shall we say, wary of uh, where Lyon would be without Lacazette, because I don't think Fekir has had a great start to the season, but you know he did have almost a year out uh, from, uh, from the game. Uh, same, for, uh, same for Cornet. Um, but like I said, is or was on fire, and a lot of uh, critics did say uh, Genesio shouldn't have started him. Of course, it's easy to say that once uh, he's injured. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm really uh, really disappointed and quite frustrated for every Lyon fan um, um, who are, who are listening to us um, because this should have been uh, three points in the bag. But uh, it isn't, and now the, the Champions League uh, looks to be uh, an uphill battle. And I just hope that Zagreb won't be another Ghent. Mm. It is a worry, isn't it? Now that yeah. uh, now the current form they're in, really, Leon. But if Eric, I wanted to talk about Yapu Mango and Biwom, and and we've mentioned the defenders last week fell asleep, and and uh, he's not had the best of games here, really. Again, has he? No, he hasn't. Uh, I mean, the last goal was a bit of a freak. It was a deflection, Menez. But, yeah. but the, yeah, the other two, I, you know, Lopez is normally reliable. I, I agree with Philip that he was at fault in that. But the, yeah, it just, just was a really a poor performance. Diakabi, I actually uh, rate very highly. He was fantastic in last summer, not the most recent under-19 tournament, but the summer prior, he was really impressive for the under-19 team. I, I do think that he's he's got a big future. Uh, the question is, who plays next to him? Um, and neither Nkulu or Jan Gumbiwa have really distinguished themselves over the past two over the past two matches. I think that down the stretch last season, uh, Jan Gumbiwa had been fantastic uh, in the run-in, and and I, I was looking forward to you know he's got he's got the hang of things now. He's got a good partnership with him. Titi, Titi goes okay, sure, but you've got Nkulu coming in, and you're still going to have two experienced league on center backs international players. Um, Young Mbiwa hasn't, hasn't been capped recently for France, but does have caps from his time at, at Montpellier uh, and at Roma. So I wasn't too worried about things. Um, but, you know, we have, have an uncharacteristically poor match from uh, Maxine Gonolon in front of the, the pair of them. And that's frustrating to see as well that, um, you know, Diakabi, you know, on his debut, wasn't being afforded protection by the captain. But, at the same time, you know, as we rightly say, without Corentin Toliso there, uh, perhaps Gonalon is a bit more stretched. Uh, Toliso, you know, is a fantastic player with, with his work rate, getting up and down the pitch. Uh, and he would have been on that side that Malcolm was on. So Gonalon herring over to make that tackle. I think uh, we, have, uh, we have an issue there. So, yeah, I, I think that the inclusion of Dardair on, in that and that role was, was what was frustrating for me. I understand when you give Toliso a rest. Inter-21's had a busy week. Uh, I think pretty sure Toliso played 180 minutes over those two matches. Um, but maybe play with with the system a little bit. Perhaps opt for a 4-2-3-1 with uh, Ferry and Gondolon holding together. 
Um, Dardair can can sit behind the front three uh, and act as act as a sort of playmaker. Uh, you know, there are other options there uh, besides playing Dardair in that role because it j again, he's a fantastic player going forward. He just does not have it uh, to play defensively, uh, to, to work defensively well enough uh, in a four three three. Um, you know, we see the likes of Blaise Tweedy and Marco Verratti succeeding there at, at uh, PSG. Uh, but yeah, that's because they work and they and they track back. Um, they're they love to tap. Oh, I think Eric's yeah, Eric's dripped and, and dropped out there mid sentence. But uh, oh. I, I, yeah, I will, I will I will just mention quickly my opinion on the Yapu Mango and B one. I'm going to call him Mister Stick or Twist, and there's a reason for that because he never twists. He tends to stick and if you were going in a sweet shop with Yapu Mango and Biwa he'll buy you the penny sweets because he won't commit to anything all three goals are at least partially his fault the first one is no one not, there's three players around Malcolm and it's Mbiwa and the young centre back and Gonalon and all three decide to stand off him and allow him the chance to shoot which yes Lopez you mentioned Philip he mm. shouldn't really say Jacoby is closer though yes but yeah. all three I don't, don't think you blame Yango on that one I'm giving him some blame. Okay. <laughs> As a, if I played centre back, then I would blame myself. If I would, if no one's going to close him down, then then you're all at fault. I would rather they all closed him down. Than you not. like him very much, for you. Yes, that, that yes, becomes apparent now. <laughs> well, the, and then the second goal, he's ball watching, and then decides not to mark Sertic, who, who scores a open free header, a ridiculous free header in the box. He's got all. He's got the the entirety of Parkwell to take the the header for that one, and then the third one. Yes, it takes a massive deflection, but it, you, I come back to my analogy earlier where he doesn't stick or twist. He waits, he waits, he waits for Menez to approach him. He, he tracks back a little bit, he tracks back a little bit, and just when Menez is about to pull the trigger, he just puts his leg out, and then it hits his leg and goes in. So it is still, <laughs> even though it's a freak goal, it's still his fault, really. But let's talk about, Philip, let's talk about Bordeaux. Um, yeah. And they took advantage of, 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 a, of another game where... They they got offered offered the opportunity to win it really because of Gonalon sending off and they took full advantage and that's that's two wins on a row and they they look like they might be building some consistency. Here. Do do you like do you like the look of them at the moment? Uh, <laughs> um, I, 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 I reckon yeah, it's better than last season. Uh, thanks to thanks to Miners, I think it's still uh, quite an ordinary uh, outfit who has a very good goalkeeper. I mean, Kawasa did pull, pull out some blinders um, on Saturday. There was uh, there was uh, one one header, which he tipped onto the bar. There was, um, I think, a shot from uh, Jordan Ferry midway through the second half. That would have uh, meant that uh, there would be 2-1 uh, down instead of 2-1 up. So it was, uh, no, it was uh, quite um, a spirited display. But one, like many other sides, I don't think they have um, the... Uh, actual quality of being up there in, pardon me, um, should we say the top six? It's to me, it looks like a decent, a decent outfit. But had you played, uh, should we say seriously? I don't think, uh, I don't think this um, defeat would have uh, would have happened. Even though Menez is really uh, turning out to, to to be a great asset to the squad, and uh, the players around him are, are playing extremely well. It's a good start, but uh, I just don't see uh, some actual quality in there. 
They have some really interesting attacking options, I think, in, in those areas. With I think Malcolm, although his goals may be a little bit lucky, he's impressed me at yeah. times. And, and Menez is a good, is a really good signing to add to that the mix of. Although he's not really played as much as in Adam Munas and and Tomatore and and Diego Roland. I think they 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 might be interested. They're slowly growing in confidence. I think a win like this will give them maybe the boost they need. But congrats to Bordeaux. And the thing is, we didn't see uh, Roland. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. I mean, we saw Menez, we saw Malcolm was that was that goal. We saw Unas. Unas, Unas had a great, really good game, but we didn't really see Roland. Hmm. He needs it's, to reset. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a bit of a was a bit of a shame. And congrats to Bordeaux, but uh, Leon now have to turn their focus, as many do, to Europe. And there are five Liga teams in European action this weekend. And we've mentioned the big headline game on tomorrow night, which is PSG hosting Arsenal. Uh, Eric, what are your thoughts ahead of this one? Uh, I think PSG should be confident. I think that with Di Maria and Cavani back in the side and, and Lucas in in fine form, I think he's had a great start to the season. I think that PSG are, are ready to take this game to Arsenal. Uh, with with Silva fit again, you've got one of, one of despite what you might think of him as a person, uh, still one of the best center backs in the world uh, alongside Marquinhos. I do worry a bit about the fullback positions. Um, Kimpembe starting there doesn't really give much thrust going forward. Um, Mounier, you know, might might not be sound enough defensively. Uh, but I, I think it should be a good occasion. Prediction-wise, I'd probably, I'd probably look at a score draw, um, and PSG will hope to, to take points off, uh, make some points off their other opponents as they did last year. But, yeah, it, it should be an entertaining match, and I think that, you know, if PSG do win and, and do so in decisive fashion, I think it, it'll be a real feather in, in Emery's cap. I think the players should be fired up for this one and, you know, be ready for a chance to prove their doubters wrong. Yeah, this is this is a big game for Unai Emery, uh, isn't it, Philip? Because this is one of the reasons, really, why PSG brought him in. Well, <laughs> I, uh, not necessarily in my book. Uh, I think they brought him in because they wanted to change uh, the change of manager, and that uh, a more uh, continental approach would have uh, enabled them to do that. I believe they really did not appreciate this three-five-two uh, episode with Manchester City. And uh, that, uh, yeah, they wanted they wanted to change. I mean, Blanc did stay for PSG for um, a solid number of years. So, um, I'd, you know, uh, getting to the uh, Champions League knockout stage is uh, is uh, almost uh, you know a given for any PSG manager. I think if Unai fails this in that group, you know, with Basel and Ludo Goretz, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's gone. But it's. Um, it's not as daunting a task as it used to be. I mean, I'm so, sorry if there are any Arsenal fans uh, listening. Uh, they still have uh, still have a quite a, a big dependency on uh, on Özil. Sanchez, to me, has not uh, played uh, to his uh, to to the levels he he can play. And uh, to me, the defence, whatever whatever back four we may throw at them uh, tomorrow, I think it will be uh, uh, quite. Quite good. I mean, uh, probably probably better than better than there. So this is why I think PSG should not be uh, worried or or, uh, or not at all scared by uh, by Arsenal. And just uh, and j- just as the Arsenal way will suit PSG's style, this is uh, this is basically what what I what I believe. This is why it'll be a quite open game, quite uh, quite good as well. That's yeah. good. I mean, it's uh, really. I mean, it's nothing to be. Uh, there's nothing to be afraid of tomorrow evening. 
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. I think I think it's two sides that are going to really go for it. And we've mentioned already that neither have really got off to the ideal start to the season, but they both have people that create danger in opposing boxes. You've already mentioned that although they've struggled at times this so far this season, they've PSG have still got Lucas Cavani, um, Di Maria that can that can cause problems, and uh, Arsenal have Sanchez and Nozil, um, and that it's going to be a really interesting attacking game. So, Eric, where where do you think PSG might find the most success against a team like Arsenal? I think in in the in the movement of Di Maria and Lucas, both of them are able to play fantastically well on either flanks, and. To keep the two of them guessing, I, I I think that's to keep to keep the Arsenal's defense guessing with the two of them. We have, you know, obviously a, a defense is still getting to its feet in terms of the absences of Mertesacker or Gabriel. Whether they they'll have Mustafi available, Kashalny's a, a potential doubt. Maybe Rob Holding comes in. Uh, wh- whatever whatever this is, it, Arsenal's center backs are not going to be, uh, you know, at their optimum as it were. Uh, I, I think that. Uh, the dynamism that they can they can offer with it with the four three three is going to give them a lot of trouble. Uh, and, and again, in that regard, I mentioned this earlier. I do think Rabio should start over Matuidi. Maybe bring Matuidi in if you need to close out a result. Uh, but Rabio offers so much more going forward with his physical size, uh, his speed, his ability with the ball at the feet, at his feet. Uh, that um, that Emery should opt opt to have him uh, in that role. Um, Flip, just before we move on to the next game, let's get your... We've heard Eric's little prediction. What's, what's your prediction for this game? I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say 2-1 to, to PSG. Just mm-hmm. for um, saying that the defences are not uh, not great um, and it should be quite an open game. I'd be very surprised if it was a stalemate, for instance. Yeah. It's going to be a really interesting one, this. And, and, mm-hmm. another, and another game on in Champions League, but this time on Wednesday, is, is Lyon as they host Dinamo Zagreb. Eric, um, we've mentioned already that Lyon have had a, a lot of struggles, but this is really, in their group, a, a crucial game to get off to a good start, isn't it? Yeah, three points are absolutely imperative if, if they need to progress. I mean, Zagreb are set to be the whipping boys of this group. I don't, I don't really know much about them at this point in time. I and mean, they are a team that has a fantastic reputation for producing uh, talents that have gone out around Europe, the likes of Luka Modric, uh, Mario Mandzukic, um, for example, are just two of them. Uh, and But at, this, at the same time being, Leon without Lacazette, I'm not sure what you do there. Maybe you start, uh, Corne will probably start as a striker, uh, but then you've got maybe Kalulu and Gazal to either side of him. You know, is that a is that a uh, a front three that's going to really strike fear into their hearts? They're going to really need a lot uh, from their midfield. Uh, Jonathan Paliso has been important going forward in the recent past. Uh, I think he's going to be at the top of his game for Leon to 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 break into this. Um, might be hopefully if he's fit, uh, the right time for Christophe Jalle to come back at right back. Uh, we've seen how his directness and his his uh, physical presence can can be important for Leon going forward. Uh, I think I think that could be something that you know he's a player with a considerable experience and be ready to go for a big match. But yeah, it, it's I'm really worried about this being a nil nil because I think Zagreb will certainly see Leon's injury woes, uh, be ready and willing to set up uh, in a negative fashion, hoping to sop up the pressure and, and just uh, come away with a point. So if that is the case, I think Leon could be in for a really long night. They're gonna need to have some moments of brilliance uh, from from perhaps unexpected sources in order to get three points from this. Yeah, and this is a Zagreb side that has lost a number of players over the last 
couple of years. That just to mention a few young youngsters that have left uh, this summer. And Marco Piaccio has gone to Juventus, and and Brozovic's official moved to Inter, and and Marco Rogu's on loan at Napoli now. Um, Philip, do Leon, especially at home, really go for this one? Do they they try and? take the initiative in this one and get those three points or do they is are they trying to learn from the mistakes from last year and, and not trying to, to go too hard for the winner and risk um facing another against situation well actually they have to because this is uh, on paper the game that they must win uh if they don't want to finish fourth again um and this is almost this is this is almost like a, um, like a poisonous gift. It, it's um, it, it it means that uh, they they should win this comfortably. But if they don't, uh, they'll be they'll get uh, criticised and have a lot of pressure. Because I I'm I'm pretty sure that you know, would rather play against Sevilla or Juventus right now, so that they could play or you know uh, away from home. One of the one of the toughest game, one of the toughest toughest games of the group would be Juventus away or Sevilla away. But uh, that the uh, the Kanda uh, has spoken. So uh, you are playing at home to Zagreb, and they have to go all out for the win. They don't really have a really have a choice in this. Uh, so that's uh, at least uh, if uh, if they if they score a couple of goals, have a decent goal difference there, uh, they'll be top of the group, which would be uh, quite uh, morale boosting. Mm. That's uh, that's that, that's uh, that's okay. I think they will. I mean, you know, I don't I don't think Zagreb. Uh, no disrespect, but I, I think you want to have better quality players. But uh, we all saw what uh, what can what can happen with a good good sorry good organization um, and uh, good good forward planning and a couple of a uh, couple of lucky breaks with Ghent. So you know, you never know, but uh, I, I really, we we all hope that there's going to be three points, and it, it it would it would be nice if it would be emphatic. Mm. We are hoping of, for that. Yeah, it kind of needs to be in a strange way. But Eric, what's your prediction in this one? Uh, I will go with a scoreless draw, unfortunately. Uh, Philip, two nil, Lyon. I'm I'm going for a comfortable two or three nil to for Leon as well. I think this Zagreb side have lost a couple of young decent players, but they always they always bring a surprise. And, we just need Zagreb to, to do us all a favour. Yes, this is what we, we we need, and we need them to be to be rubbish at the back. Uh, give uh, probably give the ball uh, to Corner who who may score goals. Mm. Which uh, I doubt uh, he will, but you know, I think uh, there there will be goals in in there. Uh, also. Also, just on that Wednesday night, is, is Monaco's trip to Wembley Stadium to take mm. on Tottenham Hospital, which will hopefully be packed out for that one. Philip, what, f- Monaco are in good form after their, their good victory against Lille at the, at the weekend that puts them top of the table. The, the, can they go with this in full confidence against a, a team that is probably their near arrivals in this group? Question, why are Spurs being at Wembley? Um, there, it's an agreement with the stadium. They've had an agreement to play Champions League football at Wembley Stadium instead of White Hart Lane for okay. no particular reason at all. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it might be because uh, they're renovating White Hart Lane soonish by the end of the White season. White Hart Lane's so, small. It's only thirty-five thousand yeah. or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that would yeah, be why. Mm. But anyway, well, they've played there before, so yeah. Well, before the um, before this weekend, there wasn't uh, all that. Um, 
and told by by Spurs uh, at all, uh, watching a couple of their games. And uh, but I was uh, by by Monaco when they had sort of an absolutely superb performance at Lille. Uh, Firmino's goal is great. If you haven't seen it, uh, watch it. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a beauty of a of a volley. Jibril Sidibe uh, proving what a good uh, good fullback he is. He can play um, both sides. So I don't know. Uh, before on paper, I would say Monaco would get demolished, but I did say the same thing about Villarreal. Um, so uh, I I reckon uh, this can be uh, a pleasant um, yeah a pleasant surprise. I I think that um, they have the quality to nullify players like uh, like Sun or Deli Ali, uh, who's had the not um, and Nathan correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't think he's had the best start to uh, to the season. Harry Kane is not brimming with confidence as well. Uh, either sorry. Um, but uh, we have uh, we have a Monaco side that is resilient, has options up front. Um, the options up front being uh, Falcao and uh, Carrillo instead of uh, instead of Valer Germain. Bernardo Silva, if he's on his game, he can uh, he can provide uh, some some chances any time of the of the game. So yeah, I'm quite confident. I have uh, no idea what the score will be. Uh, uh, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one, but I don't, uh, not, not really, not really sure what, uh, what it's going to be. But yeah, I don't, I don't see just like PSG against Arsenal. I don't see what Monaco have to uh, be afraid of for, from, from Spurs. I mean, uh, Monaco have a good defense. I think they have uh, found, Yadim have found, has found uh, this uh, back four that he does like. Even though when he, even if he does play at three at the back, sometimes uh, Glick and uh, Jemison are starting to really. Um, Gel together. That's good. That's uh, that's really good. I'm really looking forward to this one. Mm, I, I won't be able to watch it. I won't be surprised if they do go three at the back again for this one. But yeah. it, it's it's, t- it's two sides that come in, Eric, that come into this game with four goals behind them at the weekend. It, it's the kind of form you want teams to go into Champions League games into. But it's probably not going to be an all-out attacking affair, is it? Uh no. I, I think that. The three-five-two is probably a good better three-five-one-one for Monaco, playing Raji, Jamerson, and Gleek at the back, uh, Dirar and City Bay on the wings, and then perhaps uh, uh, central midfield of Moutinho, Bakayoko, and uh, Fabinho with uh, Silva off of Germain. Uh, I think the removals of Silva and Germain at the weekend uh, are a clear indication that they will start uh, against against Spurs on Wednesday. And I think they're going to be very hard to break down. They're going to be very dangerous on the counter. I think that uh, in Nabil Dirar, you're you're looking at a player whose work rate's been absolutely fantastic this season. Uh, you know, he received some bad press last year for the, the incident uh, in which he was suspended for six matches. But I, I think that he's really, you know, recouped his reputation. And I, I think that the work he's going to do uh, and the physicality of this of this side of this team throughout. I mean, besides Silva and Moutinho, this is a you know a team that is very robust physically, and I think that that's going to give that has the potential to give Spurs rather um, a lot of problems. I know in Deli Alley and like Severic Dyer, you've also got that on the other side as well. But you know, I'm thinking maybe the likes of maybe Christian Eriksen or Eric Lamella, uh, they're going to have a hard time perhaps establishing themselves in terms of. Um, in terms of getting into an attacking rhythm with uh, how, how physically imposing Monaco are and how aggressively they can uh, press when need be. 
I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. It's really interesting, especially if, like we say, Monaco try and flood that area where Spurs have the most success with Eriksen and Lamella and and Deli Ali just in behind Harry Kane in those areas where, and then the obviously the the fullbacks have been very successful for them. They switched them a lot last season, and they I don't know if they will in this game. I think it'll probably be Danny Rose and, and Kyle Walker starting, but those fullbacks are very important for Tottenham's attacking play as well. So. If they flood those areas, that's probably where they're going to find the most success. And then, like you say, on the counter. But it's going to be a really intriguing game. It's one of those ones where if they make a mistake, they'll be punished by a team like Tottenham. And it's going to be a close one. But I'll get your predictions then. So, Philip, what do you think in this one? I'm going to say nil-nil. <laughs> I mean, bit, after two four-goal four games, they... they yeah, but nil. Monaco have a good defence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric? 1-1. One, one. I am. I'm going to sneak a one nil Tottenham. I think. I think it might uh, just adjust. Of course, you <laughs> And I prefer Monaco as a team, but I think they'll just sneak it. I think. Um, we'll move on to the Europa League games now, and and the first one will be Mainz hosting Saint-Étienne. Eric, um, what do you think of this one? It's Saint-Étienne, obviously coming off a high against a good result against PSG. But is this another game where they need to be defensively solid, or or can they express themselves a little bit more in Germany? Uh, on the road, I think no, they split for a point. A very similar setup to what they, uh, what they, how they had performed. Sorry, uh, on Friday night against against PSG, uh, I think Saive can move to the left wing, and you can perhaps have Hamuma uh, or Mane Pake up up top with uh, with with either Barrich or Rue. Uh, I believe I do believe Barrich will start, given he was rested at the weekend. Uh, Saive has played on the left uh, during his time at Bordeaux, and I think that. Uh, that'll give enough attacking thrust on the wings. Uh, midfield, you're going you're to be looking at something similar. Selnesh has had a, a good start to the season. Uh, I do worry a little bit about goal. Uh, let's not forget that Stefan Rupier is suspended for this match. Um, and his deputy, uh, Jesse Moulin, is a capable keeper, but he doesn't command the area. Uh, he's not as physically imposing as is Rupier. I, I do worry a little bit about that, that... You know, an error could a defensively sound performance could be undone by a goalkeeping error. Um, so I think it'll be a strong match for there, but I would probably go for a one-nil win for Mainz. Mm. It's a it's a close one, isn't it? And Philip, Mainz are coming off a, a pretty devastating result of the weekend where they lost a four-one lead to draw four-four against Hoffenheim, but. That's good. Yeah, it's good for Saint Etienne, isn't it? Um, so, do you think they that they can cause them more problems again, again in those attacking areas? To be honest, I think Mainz have uh, lost a lot of um, a lot of players. Um, I, I well, we, we actually uh, saw an ex Mainz player score quite wonderful goal, Bastia versus Toulouse. Everybody sees that free kick um, late on. Bengston, that yeah. was uh, Pierre Bengston. I'm not sure if it's Pierre, but anyway, it was uh, so they lo- they actually loaned uh, Bengston to Barcelona. They lost Baumgartlinger to uh, to Leverkusen, Solcaris to uh, to Liverpool, and uh, yeah, the rest is uh, yeah. They did they did uh, keep quite a good uh, good spine to the squad. So it's not going to be uh, an easy game for Saint Etienne, and I do agree with Eric that uh, Saint Etienne may be uh, quite defensive-minded on that one, that uh, Galtier will try and uh, gorge his player to say, OK, if, uh, is, everyone fit? If, is everybody willing to go to the next round? Stuff like that. Uh, because some seasons they, uh, they're not, some seasons, some seasons they are. That's, um, yeah, 
we don't really, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not in uh, Christoph Garcia's brain, so we just don't know that. But my gut feeling is that uh, he will um, prioritize defense over attack. And I, I, I'm going to go. What's your prediction for this one, Philip? Probably two one to Mainz. I think I think I'm going for a one 0 Mainz as well as uh, Eric. I think they've got too many good attack, interesting attacking players like Yoshinori Muto and and Jonas Marley that will cause problems. And it'll be nice to see uh, Jonas Lossel back, who's uh, obviously yes, a goal, former yes. Gangnam goalkeeper. So, and uh, finally, we finish with another Franco-German affair with uh, Nice uh, hosting Schalke. Philip, that's a that's a tasty tie for Nice to have to start off their Europa League campaign. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Schalke have had a quite uh, quite an interesting summer as well, and uh, I just can't see for some. There's a game is at Nice, right? Yes. Yeah, the game is at Nice. Having at Schalke, I I couldn't have seen past a Schalke a Schalke win. I think Schalke are very much motivated to uh, to uh, get back in the Champions League fold. New managers, they keep they keep changing managers uh, every um, every season. Um, for the last uh, for the last few years, they've uh, yes yeah, they've swapped uh, swapped quite a lot. Will be quite nice, uh, quite fun to see uh, Benjamin Stamboli at uh, if if he does play at uh, if he does play at Nice. Not sure if he's uh, he if he's uh, in the squad or in the squad or not. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's quite a lot of quality at Nice. And um, is Fav are going to go all alternate and say we don't care about Europe, all we care about is the league? Um, Again, I'm not. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but uh, even so, I think uh, man for man, I think Schalke are a bit better uh, and probably more motivated as well. They don't have this uh, useless uh, cup composition that we call the Coupe de la Ligue, so may have uh, more time for the uh, Europa League than this. Uh, this have. I can't really see past this uh, Schalke win for in this one. Eric and Schalke put on a brave performance, although they did eventually lose to Bayern Munich at the weekend. And Marcus Feinzel is a really interesting manager for them to bring in. And they've got a lot of young, exciting players. Is, are they a little bit too much for Nice at this time? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, I think they had, despite losing Zane, I think they had a really fantastic uh, winter mm. window, bringing in the legs of Mbolo, Koke uh, from Sevilla, Bentaleb, uh, Abdul Rahman from, from Chelsea, uh, Yevon Kompanenko also from Sevilla. They, yeah, I, I'd say probably a 3-1 win for Shaka, something along those lines. There's just mm. a little bit too much quality there uh, in terms of for Nice. Yeah, once you were starting adding in players like Max Meyer and, and Leon Goretzka and, and even the class of, of yeah, class Jan Huntelaar up front as well, it, it, it really starts looking a little bit too much for Nice and it, I think that might be the case. Saying this, I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah. That, that, because I, they are, yeah. if, if Balotelli plays, Dante, um, uh, if uh, Favre put the same, uh, same 11 as against Marseille, if they're up for it, uh, which I'm probably sure, I'm, I'm sure they probably won't be as much as against Marseille, uh, against uh, the, uh, a side that has the likes of Konoplyanka, um, yeah, it's it's very tasty. It really mm. is very good. Uh, this is a this is a good European tie. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, yeah. I agree with that one. But that's all we have time for this week. My thanks to Eric, Philip, and all of you listening at home. Join us on Thursday for the preview show. We will also discuss the Champions League and Europa League results, and then join us again here for the main show at the same time, at the same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.